This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Yo, yo, welcome to the Higher Learning Podcast. Thought Warriors, push thinking caps on. It's Van Lathan. Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay, a big Rach. Big Rach is what they call me. But, big Rach you know. is what they call you. All right, Big Rach, the last time uh, we did our podcast, it was Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And my friend and podcast co-host was going through it. I, I asked was. you how you were doing. Yes. Um, black man to black woman, how are you doing today? I have to say mentally, I'm in a much better state. So that was Sunday. It's Wednesday. Two things have happened since the last time we talked. One, the officers, all four that were involved, have now been arrested and charged. Um, I don't think we get, we've gotten the charges of the other three yet, but we kind of know where they're going to go with that. But they have upgraded the charge to disgraced former Minneapolis officer Chauvin. So now he has been charged with second degree murder. That makes me feel like we are headed in the right direction and we are taking the steps forward that we need to in regards to getting justice for George Floyd. Second thing that has happened is that on Monday, I watched our president address the nation. Okay, we can get into that. But just a second ago, before I hopped on this podcast, I watched former President Obama address the nation in a town hall. And it was everything that was lacking in the president's address on Monday. It was hopeful. There was a call to action. I felt encouraged. I felt like he heard me. He empathized with me and not just me as a person of color, just George Floyd's family, other people that have suffered these injustices, just being a person of color, period. It was what I needed and it made me think forward. And I haven't been able to do that, honestly, this entire, since May. I haven't really mm. been thinking in a forward direction. So mm. I'm feeling better than I have the first two episodes that we podcasted. Right, right. I love, number one, that you're judging your mood by episodes. This podcast is going <laughs> to be very successful. And you go, you know, episode one, not so much. Episode three, a little bit better. Yeah. I love that. Um, now, uh, so first of all, I think the, the charge... Um, is going to be some form for the other three officers is going to be some form of aiding and abetting. Yes. Uh, so, you know, uh, aiding and abetting where I'm from is like a, it's like the boogeyman of charges because they always, it is it, aiding and abetting because aiding and abetting is the thing that your dad actually warns you about. My dad never warned me about actually going out there and committing crimes because he knew that if I committed a crime, I would go to jail and then the real bullshit would start when I got home and he put his boot in my face. Okay. okay. But what he was always worried about was the murky underbelly of AA, aiding and abetting. Hey, Van, 
listen, if your little homeboy steals some socks and then he give you the socks, you're aiding in the betting. I'm not sure if that's actually true. Just let you know, Van, if somebody walks by you and they got a radio and they stole it and you hear the music, aiding and abetting. So he was just always trying to get me not to be in any that way involved sense. in any criminality. Guilty by association. Guilty by association. In this particular case, uh, the aiding and abetting here is of the most serious, uh, of the most heinous way. You see someone on the ground begging for their life. And not only do you not sort of intervene to stop that, mm-hmm. It seems as if the cops in this case were making sure that it could happen without anyone getting involved. Oh, absolutely. They were and- offensive linemen uh, blocking people from trying to intervene and help George Floyd. Well, and then even when they check his pulse and say he ha- doesn't have a pulse, they stay there for multiple minutes thereafter. Absolutely. I mean, making sure that the job was, in essence, done. Mm-hmm. The murder sure. was done. So I I definitely think that they should be charged with something higher, but that what we need to also make sure that happens is, is that you don't charge them with something that you can't prove because we want them to be convicted in this case. And so we don't want to frivolously throw a charge out there that the attorney general can't prove. Yeah. And let's discuss that for a second before we get into President Trump, Uh, because I was on the phone with somebody last night that made an unbelievable point to me Um, when we were comparing this to uh, the 92 riots as far as what went down with, uh, with Rodney King. um, What was reminded to me was that the Rodney King uh, unrest that happened here in Los Angeles wasn't the result of the action. It was the result of the acquittal. Mm -hmm. And in this case, this is a result of the action itself yep. and the acquittal. The legal part of this is still forthcoming. Mm-hmm. So in, in and of that, what you have is the utmost importance in the correct charges, the utmost importance in the correct sentencing, the utmost importance um, in the legal system really doing its job here or else the unrest that we're seeing right now, if there's a, a not guilty verdict or if they fumble it up there in Minnesota, it could look quaint compared to what happens after people are disappointed to that level. So that's why everyone that's talking about the legal ramifications of this should really hope that the charging is right, uh, the investigation is right, the prosecution is right, and all of that is handled as close to flawlessly as possible. And this message is so important for our people who are just now stepping into this this cause and this movement and who aren't as familiar with the past, I think it's so important that you don't stop when you say, okay, they're arrested, they've been charged. This message is really, really for you because you might not remember George Zimmerman getting off. You might not remember, and I can't remember the officer's name, who murdered Philando, Philando Castile. You, not, you might not remember him getting off. It is very possible or that it Darren could Wilson happen. Or Darren in the case of Mike Brown. I'm sorry, not Wilson, exactly. You, no, yeah. no, please, please. Like, um, and, and countless others. This, we aren't new to this. And so I think you have to realize that an arrest and a charge is not the end of the story. So it's such a good point about the riots and when and how they occurred. Because yeah. ooh, man, if 
if he gets off, <laughs> any of them, any of them, <laughs> any of them. Right. Um, so let's talk about the president. Let's talk about uh, a tale of two presidents. Um, <laughs> y- you you spoke about it. Uh, just give me your thoughts in terms of how President Trump has handled in totality and did handle um, what the nation is going through uh, in his speech earlier this week. Well, he hasn't really handled it. I mean, he has handled it, I guess, in his way, but not in a way to bring this country together because we are so, I'm not going to say we're divided. We're just unrest, civil unrest. That's what everyone, that's the phrase everyone keeps using. President Trump stood up there and talked about, there were so many things wrong with what he said, man. And he got up there and he talked about law and order. That's the platform that he stood on. I don't even know if you saw, but it upset Ice-T that he referenced his show. (laughs) (laughs) He he tweeted about it. Mm -hmm. Law and order. That was the whole thing, which is so funny because all he was, not funny, but it's just, he's up here talking about law and order and how he's going to use this power and use the military, almost talking about the military as if they are a pawn, a military that he avoided, notoriously avoided. He avoided the draft. We know this, but yet he is this big, bad and bold president of law and order. And the contradiction in saying he was an ally for these protesters when we already know how he handles peaceful protesting with Colin Kaepernick. And then to say, oh, but I'm also going to unleash this military personnel and use something that hasn't been used since the 1992 riots against the American citizens. Rather than saying, I see you hurting. I see you in pain. I see you upset and frustrated and outraged. And what can I do as a president, as your leader to bring you together? Joe Biden addressed it when he talked, and I just saw former President Obama do that as well. Completely different approaches. One making you feel like, my goodness, we're gonna, we're going to have a civil war. And then the other one making you feel like, okay, maybe we can move forward and there is some hope in the country. Obama really put things into perspective in a very nice way that I feel like he spoke to these young people who might feel very lost at this point while they're protesting and trying to figure out, you know what, when the protesting ends, what comes next? Mm. He did a very good job of outlining that. What was your take? I mean, for me, and by the way, after I say this, I might be kicked out of all the, the men's clubs. We have secret men's clubs where it's just men and, like you know, a Mason? We, well, not Mason. <laughs> hey, don't <laughs> listen. Don't talk about any of these. I don't need the Freemason secret society people coming at me. Don't. I'm not involved in none of that shit. I'm not. I'm not in. I. I am in nothing. Are, no. Are you not I'm. I'm okay. I know. I'm in nothing because okay. it, there's a vi- there's a YouTube video for for everything. There's a for every single thing you could possibly be a part of. There's a YouTube video for it. There's YouTube videos for, do you know the secret society of Sam's club and Costco members? And like, like, <laughs> like, like there's a YouTube video. I'm not, in, I'm in not none of that shit. None of it. Um, but the club that I'm talking about is the, the toxic masculinity club, uh, which yeah. all men are born into and have to, uh, pledge allegiance to at age 13 or uh, jump away from at age 30. Um, because I saw a true weapon of mass destruction on display during President Trump's speech. And that is the male ego. Uh. Uh, The male ego is one of the most dangerous things, uh, not just now, but in the history of the world. 
more bombs have dropped. Mm. More women have been hurt. Mm. More people have been dominated and taken advantage of because of the male ego uh, Mm -hmm. than anything else. What President Trump did was a completely transparent show of force because people think that he is weak. He got up there and used every wrong term that you could use. Right. Americans are tired of being dominated. What did he say has to happen? We have to dominate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Americans are tired of being dictated to. What did he say we have to do? Dictate, control the streets. Yep. It's all about, hey, they said I was scared. Not only am I not, am I not scared, I'm dominant. You got to <laughs> go on dominate. And then, <laughs> and then not only did he speak those words, okay, but he did something else that the male ego did does a lot of times. He hurt people in order to have the freedom to speak them. Mm. He had to have that church, that place cleared out with tear gas and rubber bullets just so he could go and feel strong. How many times does someone else in this country have to get victimized so some dude somewhere can feel strong about it? Mm. Now we're going to talk about a lot of things as we talk as we as we continue this podcast. A lot of male pride today. A lot of male pride is on the agenda. Of course, uh, one of the things that we're going to have to talk about is how much of a society that we're going to be able to have going forward if we don't give women and empower women to have an opportunity to lead this country. Yeah, because and and sitting there. And listen, my dad going to hit me. My brother's going to hit me. All of my mentors going to hit me. Van, I don't need you to be on there talking crazy about masculinity. There is nothing better for this country, for this society, than a comprehensive man, than a man who is strong in conviction, who believes in responsibility, his family, who believes in protection, who believes in sharing power, who believes in empowering others. It's a very important thing. And I hope that all of my young brothers and sisters, young people, period, get a chance to see that in their life. There's nothing better than that. But the opposite of it is so absolutely destructive. The opposite of it can Mm -hmm. suck the life out of so many different things. And more than anything, I looked at President Trump and I said, there's a guy who is completely unsure of himself and is willing to hurt scores of people to prove to himself and to people around him what a badass he is. And because, for background, because he was hiding in a bunker 24 hours before that, and he was upset that that was leaked to the American people. So he had to come back and do the complete opposite end of the spectrum and walk the streets by terrorizing peaceful protesters to have a photo op, literally the definition of doing it for the gram, to take a picture in front of a Bible that he, or in front of a church that he rarely visits, a Bible he has never opened, a Bible as he quoted. Uh, for what purpose? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was arrogant. The audacity of the whole situation, the mockery to religion. It was. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing with those pictures, with the photo op in front of that church. I couldn't believe it. Hmm. What like? In your in your mind right now, as I watch Malcolm Jenkins, 
Yeah, you know I'm saying I'm seeing Malcolm Jenkins on the TV right now. I see him. I just in I see my him. in my you see Malcolm Jenkins right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, I tell you what, if Cap and Nessa are watching this right now, they freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> or Eric Jenkins. Reed. Or Eric or Reed. Or Eric. <laughs> no, Eric Reed is Eric, Eric Reed just broke a television. Cause like, 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 like he is not even that. Eric Reed is not freaking out. Eric Reed just broke his TV. Eric Reed, if you want to get an autograph from Eric Reed, he will be at Best Buy tomorrow. I don't know if you guys know the whole schism between the Players Coalition and Cap and Nessa. It's just a lot going on right now. A lot of demonstrations happening all over the place. Um, but they're peaceful. Uh, the I was specifically offended by uh, the the Bible. And the only reason why is because it's just, listen, there are, you can believe what's in the Bible. You cannot believe what's in the Bible. I am a man who was raised a specific way and I turned to religion and to my faith, uh, to calm me, to give me answers. Um, and to really, you know, help me minister different things to other people. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things in about the Bible that you can question. Okay, I'm not gonna get sure. all religious on the pot. One thing you can't question, though, is how Jesus went about his life and how he tried to solve problems. And he tried to solve problems, whether or not you believe Jesus is the Son of God or not. He tried to solve problems with love and understanding. And that doesn't mean that he wasn't against being ferociously uh, on fire to, 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 he did go into a, a place where tax collectors were doing bad stuff and turned over all the tables and stuff like that. It was, it was time to get gully. It was time to get gully. You know, his, him and the guys are walking on the road. They asked what to, they, they asked Jesus what to bring. Jesus says, well, bring a sword. Why would, yeah. why would he say bring us, bring a sword? Cause in case we get robbed, we need a sword. Okay. Um, but what's going on in this country coming from the top is so far away from that, that it's disrespectful not even to secular people, it's disrespectful to anyone who has an understanding of what that Bible represents to use it there. Well, it was a mockery of the whole situation. You use the church as a backdrop and the Bible as a prop. There are so many other ways that you could have gone about that. You could have met with church leaders because that church was almost vandalized a couple of days before or the day before sure. you could have said a prayer. You could have read scripture. There were so many things that you could have done. And instead you used it, as I said, as a backdrop and a prop. And that's what was so despicable. And that's what was making a mockery of something that is so important to a large sector, not just of the American people of your voters. Mm. That is what was so shocking by the whole situation. Mm. I'm gonna read you something now. I have a I have a special message. Is it scripture? Is it scripture? No, it's not a scripture. Oh, I'm gonna read okay. scripture. I'm sorry. Listen, I thought, I thought it was we were, we were, we were headed you, somewhere. <laughs> do you get the fact that a lot of people just fast forward it past that part of the podcast? If, if I start reading scripture, you know, I'm gonna do that one day. One day we're just gonna come on here and I'm gonna be come like, on. all right, to get you guys started today on higher learning. <laughs> Why not? Uh, we're just gonna get you guys started with Matthew twenty four sixteen point one. No, not nah, not nah, no. Nah. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna read you a message. I, I, this message is, is a message from my homie Eldrick. You want to hear it? Yes. This guy I know named Eldrick. Uh, I met him a couple of times. He 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 gave us a message, and I want to make sure you guys hear. The message okay. said, "My heart goes out to George Floyd, his loved ones, and all of us who are hurting right now. I have always had the utmost respect." 
for our law enforcement. They train so diligently to understand how, when, and where to use force. This shocking tragedy clearly crossed that line. I remember the LA riots and learned that education is the best path forward. We can make our points without burning the very neighborhoods that we live in. I hope that through constructive, honest conversations, we can build a safer, more unified society. That's my from my homie Eldrick. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Eldrick, man. And what and what would you respond to your homie for making that type of comment? Because I was with, I said, oh my gosh, is this a fan of the podcast? And then as you continue, <laughs> as you continue to talk, I knew exactly who you were talking about. You know what's crazy? It's like so many people are are listening to the podcast and they're going, yo, who is Eldrick? That sounds like a real black name. That's because it is. That's because Tiger Woods' real name is Eldrick. Tiger is some dude that they created a long time ago to sell Buicks. This man changed his name from Eldrick to Tiger. Because it's his Comblation name. It's his Comblation name. Oh, that's his Comblation tribal name. Okay, cool. Yeah. The, the tribe of the Comblations. Listen. I, okay. So let's, let's, let's do this, Big Rage. Okay. Let's try to analyze what we feel like is wrong with this message okay. without putting on steel toe boots and just kicking Eldrick in the nuts. Okay. Cause that would be easy. That would be easy. I turn it over to you. What do you feel like is wrong with this message from Tiger Woods? So I don't have the message in front of me, but from, from when, when I saw it, okay, he's your friend apparently, but when I saw it, it would, there were two things that stood out to me, the way he spoke of the police and the way he said education is the only way. Okay. This problem that we have in our country is not something that you can throw education at it. It's not something that you can wrap your arms around it and hug it. This isn't something that you can love away. This is a real issue and it's going mm. to take action and some type of reform to fix it. So th- what bothers me about Tiger and his message is that it is extremely tone deaf and it sounds very removed. When you wake up in the mirror, Tiger, what do you see? I know who you are. I know what your status is. You got money and maybe you had a different upbringing that maybe wasn't like some other people of color. But when you look in the mirror, you are a black man. You are black. I don't, I don't, you're black. That's what people see. So the fact that you are speaking so detached from black people is what bothers me so much about this statement. I would have rather him not make a statement at all. And this is another thing. I feel, I feel people feel the pressure to speak out against what's happening and are saying the wrong thing because they feel pressure to speak. We'd rather just not hear from you at all. Hmm. Yeah. It's like sometimes I watch Neil deGrasse Tyson videos. And I want to live, I want to leave YouTube comments, but then I don't leave YouTube comments. Do you know why I don't leave YouTube? I realize I don't know shit about astrophysics. Okay. Exactly. So the reality (laughs) is why don't I absorb the video and what Dr. Tyson is saying and try to understand it before feeling the need to always inject my sort of opinion into it. I'm not saying in this particular case that Tiger Woods had no right or no place to speak um, because Tiger Woods, like you said, is a black man and Tiger Woods is someone with an inordinate amount of influence. Therefore, people were probably going to be pulling on him to speak. But, but to your point, the point that you made is this statement strikes wrong 
because it's a both sidesing of an issue that we have all decided doesn't have very much on both sides. Mm-hmm. We understand that cops get trained. We understand that cops, some of them, want to refrain from using force. But we also understand that there is a systemic issue with policing that seems to denote cops kicking the shit out of people and killing them all the time. What we need from someone who wants change in this situation is to address Mm -hmm. that. Address what you're prepared to do, Tiger Woods, Eldrick. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Address what you're prepared to do to make change there. To keep American citizens safe there, to change the perception of police officers from a power hungry cult of like, I don't know, just aggressiveness to people who are actually dedicated to protecting and serving the most vulnerable people in the community. Because Mm -hmm. remember, when you say protect and serve, you're not saying protect and serve against criminals who are not police officers. You're saying protect and serve against a criminal that would assail an American citizen anywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's inside of your own police department as well. If you really want to protect us, well, don't just protect us from the people that's outside, protect us from the people that are inside as well. So what we want to see from Tiger and people like Tiger is not a both sides of it. We want to see Tiger Woods speak to the specificity of this issue and see if he would support us in coming up with solutions to it. No one is asking anybody to go and and take up arms against someone. What we're asking for is a real conversation. Right. You know, it's like it's like back in the day, right? You know, Tiger, let's be honest, okay? This is not let's be honest, okay? Tiger no, knows Tiger knows what it's like to be a victim of violence. Let's just be Okay. Real. Okay. Cuz, you know, Tiger himself took a golf club to the head. So Tiger knows what it's like to be a victim of violence. It's happened mm-hmm. to Tiger. Was, this is a very special moment in the podcast. I'm going to make sure that I keep my voice low. Tiger has been hurt before. Now right. imagine when Tiger is looking at a Scandinavian swinging a nine iron at his head, right? Because she came, he, she came up on those text messages. Imagine if Tiger goes, well, babe, I think now is the time to address some of the reasons that I might have been stopping from Hooters to Hooters to Hooters <laughs> all across South Florida. And it, no. In that moment, is that what you do, Tiger? No. no. That's not what you do, Tiger. In that moment, you don't tell her. In that moment, you deal with the problem. And the problem is table number eight, Jupiter, Florida, all these places. <laughs> like, that's the problem. All right? So that's why that whole thing didn't work for me. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary 
and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Now, Tiger's not the only person. They're not the only athlete. This was like the day and the week of bad takes in sports. Did you hear what Drew Brees, my quarterback, from the New Orleans Saints had to say. Did you oh, hear the Drew Brees? That you, you gotta speak on this. I forget. Yes, you are Louisiana. Yeah, tell me. So let's talk about your quarterback. Let's talk about him and how he doubled down today on prior statements that he made during the Colin Kaepernick issue. Wrong I don't call time, it issue Drew. during the Colin Kaepernick thing. Just wrong time, man. I think. Uh, I think. I think what people want. Uh, you know, just to replay it in mind, what Drew basically said was he'll never be okay with anyone um, protesting the American flag and taking a knee in front of the American flag. Uh, and I'll be serious here. And um, and he he went on to wax poetically about uh, the reasons why he feels that way to, I guess, grandfathers that both fought World War II, which, by the way, that's a tremendous sacrifice. That's a tremendous sacrifice. Those guys in World War II went over and saved the world. The problem with that is... Drew Brees not understanding what that flag represents for him uh, and what that flag represents for so many of us. You know, and and, and I think when someone can't recognize that, mm-hmm. it starts to erode your confidence that we'll ever get to live in all of the same America. When someone can't understand sort of the difference between what they're trying to protect and what it is that we see. And I think that Drew Brees... And he's been kind of called out by some of his teammates, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas on Twitter. I think Drew Brees needs to have some conversations about this and understand what exactly we're trying to do before he keeps going down this road. This is a fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. He's doubled down on how he feels about what Colin Kaepernick did. There is no conversation to be had. It is what it is. You're not changing this man's mind. It's not like Colin Kaepernick did this last week. This happened years ago. And he Mm -hmm. still feels this way after watching what is currently happening in our country. I am, I don't know if I should be shocked, but I guess I'm just shocked at the audacity to double down on it. You are clearly missing the point in this whole thing. You can't say that you feel a certain way about kneeling when it comes to and how it disrespects the flag, but then also say that you stand by your black brothers and sisters when it comes to the injustices they're facing, because you're missing Mm. the entire point of what Kaepernick was doing. The flag represents something, as you said, Van, to black people, and it doesn't hold the same weight in because of how this country has treated us as it does to white people. So the fact that you're comparing your white experience to our black experience shows me you just don't get it and you're not trying to get it. And if I'm a teammate, I'm going to have a huge issue with that. I just don't know how you move forward or past that without him unless he changes his mind, which at this point he's going to show us that that's not the case. The flag... It, I. I'm I'm just shocked at Drew Brees for for having as many black teammates as you have and to being that bold. It's one thing when you said it, not that I agree with it, but it's one thing when you said it when the country wasn't in the place that it is now, where people are more aware in a way of what black lives matter matters means now than they were when Colin Kaepernick was trying to tell you about it. Yeah, it's not that I want people to get this confused. It's not that Anyone, myself, 
you or anybody else I know is anti-American. What we're fighting for is to be American. Like we're for like we're fighting for the rights that we're guaranteed as Americans. And what we're simply saying is that that flag, which is a symbol or a lot of other things, which seem to be symbols of American freedom, um, of American excellence, of the price paid for American freedom, that it doesn't hit us the same way if these right. are freedoms that we cannot access. And we're asking by kneeling for the flag, everyone who did kneel, um, to start a conversation about how we get on the same page about that. It's the start of a conversation about police brutality and systemic racism and all of those things. And when you say you can't do that, I don't agree with your ability to say, hey, this country isn't working for me. It once again does something that's the biggest sin of all of this. It minimizes you and makes you feel small. I guess I'm, oh no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you got it. You got it. By the way, I just want to let you know something. My mama was very upset over the first episode that we did. My mother. What? What? Okay, I I got a mom issue too. So please tell me yours and then I'll tell you what my mom said. Just real quick, while we're talking about this, my mother was like, great podcast. But that sister is so bright. I love her. And you, and and you treated her like this was the color purple with the (laughs) amount of times that you talked over her. So look. You want to jump in? You jump in. That was my bad. I was sorry. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, everybody. I was tuned up. I, was I tuned can't up. wait to meet your mom. I yeah. can't wait. I love a, a woman. It takes a woman to get it you t- right. <laughs> to show you. It takes a woman. You said that. It really does. My, it's right. so funny you say that because my mom was driving back from Houston to Dallas and she's like, I listened to both of your podcast episodes on the way. And she said, can you not curse as much? As you did. Ooh. And I was like, oh, mom. I said, listen, we're just having a conversation. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my mom, my mom, my mom. So if I curse, I'm so sorry, mom. I just, I'm just mm-hmm. caught up in the moment. And and can we just agree that we just blame Van when it happens? <laughs> if I curse, <laughs> let's just blame Van. Let's just blame Van. Mm-hmm. No, what I was going to say is with the flag and the, the whole patriotic, being a patriot and just what it represents and all of that. You have to also remember that same flag, although it may have had less stars in it, that same flag was waving in the air when we were working on plantations. Mm. That's the same. That's that's and that's all you really I could put a period right there. That's all you really need to know. The flag has been the flag with less stars, whatever. It has been a flag that represents our country and what is America. And there were at times when it was waving in the air, when we were enslaved, when we were called three-fifths a person, when we were being lynched, when we had no rights, when Jim Crow's laws were there, when I couldn't marry the husband that I have now. I d- hmm. Drew, Drew Brees, to me, this is simple. Well, if, it, simple. let me question. If you're, if you're Drew Brees, how do you fix it? Like, it, like if you're Drew Brees right now... Um, you if go you home were, and you watch 13th on Netflix. But, if you were, but let, let's <laughs> put it, it left. If you were on that team, right? You know, if, if you were, if Drew Brees was like a teammate of yours um, and he had said something, let's say that you worked at a play. No, never mind. No, uh, no, it, no like, go ahead. I, <laughs> go ahead. I know uh, where you're going. <laughs> go ahead. I'm saying, let's say that you worked at a place okay. or with someone that had said something that they hadn't fully thought through and was maybe less than sensitive in the times that we're living in right now. How would you address that person, that issue, just on behalf of Drew Brees? 
Well, speaking from past experience, I would go to that person and let them mm. know that I was offended before I went publicly. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about religion. The Bible says, if you feel offended, go to your brother. If your brother doesn't listen to you, then they were never your brother. So mm. if you don't listen to me, that is Matthew 18, 15, by the way. If you don't wow. listen to me, then my reaction is to make a statement about it. If I feel that I was directly affected by it and I feel like I, I, I need to speak out on it. That's just me. Um, but in return, how does that person respond to it? Well, if they make some, if they take the time to understand what was wrong, maybe what was ignorant about the situation, and then they make amends by apologizing, then that would go a long way with me. It would go mm. a long way, but you have to take the time. You have to be willing. And this is a higher learning reference. You've got to be willing to unlearn what it mm. is that you've been taught for so long. And you got to be willing to learn something new. And that's what you need from Drew Brees because he's set in his ways and he's put his foot down. He's put his flag in the ground at this point mm. and said, this is what I believe. And this is why. Uh, now, we have it in the rundown to also, because there are a lot of people that messed up this week. We have it in the rundown <laughs> to also talk about uh, James Dolan. Um, but I'm going to not talk about James Dolan. I'll tell you why. Why? Okay. Because I've been told that if you speak of Satan, that he appears. <laughs> so I, so uh, because of that, I'm not going to even get into James Dolan. James, like, James Dolan annoys me so much. Just the fact that James, like... I don't even want to, I, I really don't ever have a conversation. There are a couple of people that I never want to talk about on this podcast. We're going to have to talk about them one day. One is Takashi 69 and the okay. other one is James Dolan. I never want to have a conversation about the ineptitude, just the sort of disgusting terribleness that James Dolan and the Knicks organization is right now. It's just so bad. I didn't, he handled this exactly the way I expected him to handle it which is the worst way possible. That's all I'm saying because I don't want him to knock at my door right now. It I'm is the so worst way. Just, just for reference, for those of you who don't know, James Dolan basically sent out a memo to all of his employees, including at Madison Square Garden, that they are not allowed to speak on the incident of George Floyd or anything thereafter because they have no, basically have, basically have no place speaking on it. So right. he silenced them, okay? Which is what is that very issue in the aftermath with George Floyd is that people have been silent too long, is that your silence makes you complicit to the injustices that are happening in our society. And James Dolan basically embodied that in a memo that how in the world did you not think was going to get made public? That's it. it, it he didn't care. That's really what the issue is. He didn't care if it did or not. It, it to, And now we got to talk about him because that was just too good of the way you kind of laid that out, but I'll put it to you like this. Silence is complicit, right? Yes. Silencing someone makes you not complicit. It makes you one of them. Now, if you see something bad happening and you don't say anything, you're complicit to, complicit to the bad acts. But if you see something bad happening and you purposely tell somebody else not to get involved, now you're as evil as a person committing the act. You're not yeah. complicit. You're one of them. And that's what Very James Dolan point. showed. And we have to understand that uh, there's there's a way that a lot of the sort of people's uh, religious devotion to the bottom line is also holding back American progress. At some point, people 
And their situations and their experiences in this country are going to have to matter more uh, than the Knicks ratings or merchandise or whatever. Um, and in the long run, when people feel better about America, people will be more participatory in it. And we have mm. to trust that. And like we, we, we have to trust that and we have to see that. And we have to re... This is what I would tell Drew Brees is part of you having a conversation about kneeling in front of the flag uh, is going to help restore people's faith in that flag or help, help restore people's faith in some of the things that we were taught when we were kids, which is that this yeah. country works equally for everyone. And that if you work hard, you'll be guaranteed life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And part of that is seeing other people care about it as much for you as they care about it for themselves. And sometimes mm -hmm. when we get in the trenches here, you just kind of don't see that, right? You see people that run from the fire and it's just, it's, it's hard to stomach sometimes. Um, what have you seen this week that has made you hopeful? Oh, I would say, so in this week, maybe I'll, maybe I'll speak from the time since we last talked from sun because we all know how i started off the podcast on sunday i wasn't hopeful i was i was sad i was mentally not in a good space uh the podcast actually this podcast gives me great a great way to kind of put my emotion and my energy into a, in a positive way but i feel different from sunday to wednesday and and it is because i am i'm i wouldn't have guessed people would still be protesting i mean the officers have been charged and people are still protesting now in a peaceful way and when i look at the who is protesting it is so great to see that we all look so different it's not just us talking about black lives matter it is white hispanic indian amish people screaming out saying black lives matter which is something we've never really seen before so that makes me hopeful um I loved what President Obama said, stepped out and said, and I think that what was so important about what he said is, is he gave you some direction because I, I get I think I talked about this a lot on the last podcast. I get a lot of questions of what do I do? What do I do? And he basically said, OK, people talk about voting and maybe you don't feel like your vote matters, even though it does on a presidential level. But what about voting locally for your D.A.? They're all elected officials for your state attorney who impacts, you know, is involved in negotiating collective bargaining agreements for the police union, who is involved in a, appointing the police chief. There's so many ways that you can impact things locally. So these things like with George Floyd don't happen that I'm loving that people are addressing and talking about. And it makes me feel hopeful. Hmm. It's very true. Um, Do you feel hopeful at all? Yeah, I saw a, a, a video on Rex Chapman's Instagram, uh, Twitter today of a girl posing with a seal and I just completely changed my whole mood. I'm sorry. Like, what? It was a girl <laughs> and a seal. Look, Rex Chapman, <laughs> shout out to Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman, <laughs> we covered it on TMZ a couple of years ago. Rex Chapman once got arrested, I think it was like thirty or $40,000 he was trying to steal from like a mall in Scottsdale or something like that. And okay. now... Rex Chapman, and he's talked about that. So it's not now Rex Chapman is the most inspirational motherfucker that really walks the face of the earth. Like he, Rex Chapman is great. And today I was scrolling around looking for stuff to be upset about. And that's just the, <laughs> at least you're honest. That's just the, <laughs> that's just the mode that my mind is from minute to minute. 
who can I say, hey, fuck you two. All right. I'm just looking for who's on our side. When I say our side, I mean the side of people that want to see better for this country and who's not. And I scroll past this video that was on Rex Chapman's Twitter feed. And it's like a seal or a sea lion. What's the difference? Do you know? I don't no, know. No, I do not. What's the difference between a seal and a sea lion? They Does look one the have same, tusks? don't they? I, I, I don't know. That's a walrus. Okay, but for y'all, y'all didn't see, he put his fingers a down tusk? like fangs. That's a walrus. A the walrus, walrus has, has the big fangs. Oh, tusk. Right. Wait, an elephant has tusks. Tusk? Are they the same thing? Is oh, it, God. No, we sound, can we we cut this? We sound so no, ignorant. Nope, can we just nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to cut that. You know, we're not going to cut that out because, because? That's, that's truth that people stop learning about animals after like the seventh or eighth grade. And I don't understand why. Like, it's like they teach us about all the animals up to like the eighth grade. And then in high school, which animals did you learn about in high school? What's one? Give me an animal. Cause like all the animals and dinosaurs and stuff like after a certain point, they just stop teaching you about animals. And if you want to learn about yeah. animals, you got to wake your own ass up on Saturday morning and watch the crocodile hunter or Jack Hanley or whoever that guy is. Because whatever it, other dude it depends is. what type of profession you're going to go into. It serves no purpose. The only to answer your question, the only animal I learned about in high school was the man. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> the so man. Think about it. So think about it. You're, you're acting like that's okay, but now we're doing a podcast. And we need to know whether or not it's a sea lion, a seal, or a walrus. And two college-educated <laughs> people look like some dumbasses because we don't know. So I'm just saying, I don't know why they stopped teaching us about animals. Okay, so what did you learn about the video that you saw with the girl posed with a something that resembles a seal? I learned nothing. The only thing that I learned, <laughs> okay, uh, like the only thing that it was a cute video. Like she, like like she is, uh, she's there, and then this big ass animal is there, and they get together and they take a picture, and then she sticks her tongue out, and then the seal sticks its tongue out. They didn't touch tongues, Rachel, but they okay. both had their tongues out looking at the camera, and I was thinking to myself, "Oh man." So, oh my my baby, fuck the police! Like like, <laughs> like, like, like I was, I was for a moment like I melted, and then I remembered kind of what we're in, and I came back, and that's really, really the fact that I could still have thoughts about something other than this that gave me hope. Okay, that, gave, that like it, it gave me hope that one day, um, we can we can come together and really do the hard work to get this figured out, and then. Once it's figured out or once we feel better about it or once we have some movement, you know what we can do then? We can go to brunch. We can go to Disneyland. We can enjoy the game that this these problems. I don't know if you're coming out of these problems or if you're coming out of COVID when you talk that way. That's forget about that. That's <laughs> that's for, that sounds talking, like a COVID problem. When I say when I say all of that stuff, I'm talking about that stuff. And this is 2023. So we're going to have okay, enough problems. Okay. To like get all of this stuff to get some legislation passed because none of that stuff's happening for like a long time. Um, but I'm saying it just and taking my mind off it for for one second was helpful. But then it was also good to get back on here with you and get reengaged and ignited and just ready to do the hard work. Okay, okay, I, I, and I love that. But I have to ask you a question in what you what you were just saying. So one of the things that has made me feel a little different than I felt before is because it's something I've, I've never seen before. So we all know that I come from this franchise called The Bachelor, and mm -hmm. we know I'm the only person of color that's been a lead in this franchise when they've cast say, it for say 40 black. seasons. Say black. Oh. We're good with that. 
Okay, black, fine, black. I'm the only black lead they've had in in casting for 40 seasons. And one question I always get is the questions about race and diversity. And partly is because I am black. And two is because that I'm the only person who will speak out against this in this franchise. It has been refreshing for me to see leads in this franchise actually be passionate, not all of them, but actually be passionate and speak out against and not against, but for Black Lives Matter. Um, so my question to you is with this is Wednesday, Tuesday, we saw hashtag blackout Tuesday and you saw a lot of people post the blackout. A lot of people say that they are muting themselves because they are trying to uplift, amplify and listen to black voices. What was your take? on hashtag blackout Tuesday. And yeah, no, no, no. Just, just answer that. Uh, I don't really have one to be honest with you. I think that it, it was something that people were doing that um, was trying to establish or sort of reinforce the idea of solidarity. And I personally believe that the only way out of really the problems that America is facing, like really the only real way is solidarity. The only real way to, to figure out how much we spend on things is whether or not you care uh, that the old widower across the street um, has enough Medicaid, uh, has enough social security, has enough, all of that stuff. So you'll be willing to pay maybe a 50 cents, a dollar, $2, $3, $4, $5, $10, $1,000 $1, more in taxes, right? Um, we have to care about each other enough to actually make sacrifices for one another. Uh, and that's what solidarity is. Now, um, you want to say something. Ban. And when you say solidarity, are you speaking of races outside of the black race? No. I, well, no, I'm talking about societal solidarity. So what I mean, right, so. But everybody, right? Like everybody right. has to come together to make whoa, some whoa, change. Whoa, whoa. Well, I mean, this is what I mean. I mean, look. At the end of the day, if I dip into my more militant bag, for me, the only the only solidarity right now that I'm really concerned about is society among solidarity amongst the black race because I feel like um, amongst the black community, should I say, because I feel like that's the only solidarity that we can really count on. We can't continue to ask America at large to invest and care about our problems if generation after generation, they're going to show that they don't. Now, what you've seen on the streets here just recently might signal that oh. there's a sea change as far as the group of people who care because the, the protests have been so diverse. So maybe you can start to ah. believe that there are going to be people outside of that that mm -hmm. care a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, can I flip I my hair back for a second? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in episode three of Higher Learning. And at this point, I'm going to fact check man who in episode one, we had a heated argument about needing help. And you had kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of, kind of came at me about saying we need help from our non-black brothers and sisters, Jordan. But you, you, but, you but you, but you didn't listen to what I said. What I just said was that, no, what I, no, but what I just said was that the only solidarity I really care about is solidarity in from inside the black community. And, and what I'm saying is I'm hopeful that there might be more help, but I don't think that we need it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it, it, yeah. That's a nice you know what I mean? save, Van. That's a nice save, Van. No, go ahead, I know. Continue. That's what, no, go, I'm saying. Go like, ahead, continue. 
No, what I'm saying is, I just said before, and I said, I don't think that we can that we can hold out hope and wait for that help. Like, I don't think that we need it. But if they if they gave it to us, it's not like I wouldn't accept it. But, but watching what you've seen this past week, because I remember when we talked last episode and you were saying it's been very nice to see, look at protests that there's it's so diverse. I mean, in a right. lot in the protests I was in, I was the minority. And so I think that maybe that has made you think, OK, you know, well, we it, can it's it's. It's it's what what it's made it it's made me think that maybe possibly people will be more willing than their parents were, but okay it has, okay it, I'll it, take right that. it hasn't changed my mind that like we need like we need solidarity amongst ourselves and really the only people that we can rely on is ourselves but um I guess that belief in solidarity kind of makes me think that anything that everybody is trying to do together just as a little training exercise is a good thing. So whereas the blackout annoyed a lot of people and they saw it as something frivolous, I thought that anything that people were trying to come together to do was kind of cool. The blackout didn't annoy me. It's my fear. And maybe this is me being, and I hate to use this term, but I, I do fall sometimes into the category of being an influencer and it is becoming so trendy, which I'm not going to, I'm not going mm. to, knock people because this is a positive thing we that is trending but my fear the the realistic side of me is okay trends fade off something else becomes trendy you move on and you forget what it is and why you were fighting not fighting but why this thing was was popular to you so my yeah. fear is well how long is this trend going to last at the end of the protest, when it's not all that we see on the news and in our social media feeds, what what do you do? What happens next? What action will you take? And that's what makes me fear about being muted right now and uplifting Black voices and Blackout Tuesday, because next week, is my voice still going to be popular? Is the cause that I'm fighting for still going to be a trend? You know, for us, it is, Van, because we wake up and we see Black every single day. And what we do, we live, eat, breathe Black. But for those who don't and aren't directly impacted by it, where are you going to be next week? That's right. my, that's what, that's why I asked you about Blackout Tuesday. That's why I asked you about the social media trend, because it is my fear that next week we're going to be talking about something else. Well, if not next us, week, but they were. Right. But but next week, if the world has moved on, uh, we can't. Yeah, and we have to kind of make because what it, what really happens is it's not so much even that people outside the community move on is that we move on too. Is that there's something else for us too, and that's why it's very important in moments like this. I say this all the time, but it's very important in moments like this to uplift people who are doing activism every day. They're not doing activism when someone's hurt or killed or when someone's arrested unfairly um, <clears throat> or when someone can't get service in a store or get a cab in New York. They're doing activism every day, seven days a week. It's their job. It's their life's work. Those are the people. Yeah. The Tamika Mallory's of the world, the Mysons of the world, the Philip Agnews of the world. Um, Jesse Williams put me in touch with a great group and I'm going to fumble the name of the group. Then there was a great call on Monday night. I met so many amazing activists on that call, right? Those are the people that we need to uplift, keep engaged, keep funded and keep on the tips of our tongues. 
because they're doing it every single day. They're going to remind us and then we can remind everybody else. When you remember, will you send that so I can like share that? I want to share that with everyone because so many people ask, how do I keep going? I feel like I've done all that I know to do and I'm trying to figure out how to do more. And it's like, well, if you follow these people who are in the trenches and are doing it every single day, then you yeah. don't have to ask that question anymore. So I would love to share that with uh, my following. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, that, and there are certain people that wear many hats. Like Jesse is a guy, shout out to Jesse Williams, man, who wears the hat of not just sexy ass doctor on ABC's Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Oh, light, sexy, light eyes. He, uh, <laughs> he also is an incredibly engaged, real activist. Like yeah. he's like, he's not playing around. He's for real with it, right? Um, so a guy like that, what is it called now? It's called the Advancement Project, something that Jesse is on the board of. He is a big, big deal. They like, um, I talked to activists in Louisville. I talked to activists in Minnesota. Um, and there's another call where we're going to solidify some of the things that we're doing. Um, but it was just fantastic. And it was good to know that these people are out here because there, there are certain ones that like get a lot of press, right? They do a lot mm -hmm. of things in a grandiose way. And then there are certain people that just got to do the paperwork. There yeah. are certain people that just got to make the calls to the DAs. And there are certain people that got to just like have to do the work that has to get done to make sure that these things are actually moving forward in the right way. And that's yeah. an activist. I'm not an activist. I'm a guy who's clued in culturally and clued in societally to some of these things. I want to use my voice to try to bring power and awareness to those people. So I have to better educate myself on all of the ones that I want to get out there. Philip is great. Tamika is great. Philip Agnew is a great guy. And the Dream Defenders down there in Florida, great organization. Jason Wilson in the Cave of Adullam up there in, um, in Detroit, all of these places are fantastic. But we have to make sure that their voices are loud, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree, agree with you more. I feel the pressure of people coming to me as if I am an activist and I'm not. I just have a platform and a voice that I try to use to push forward initiatives that I feel like are important and other people need to hear as well, specifically with what's going on right now. So like, just a quick, can we take a, can we do something real quick? Can we take a what? bachelor break? Can we take a bachelor break real quick? I just want to sure. do something real quick. Like what's the latest in the world of the bachelor? Like he can't, you can't help yourself. He's like, like you low key. No, I know you've never watched <laughs> a season, but you're so interested and you don't want to admit it. And that's okay. That's okay. I feel like maybe that's part of the reason why I'm your co-host. Like uh, you're, you're so curious about it. You've covered it before. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Um, there's nothing going on in bachelor world at this point because there's no season on right now. You think All production is halted. Do you think that like, they could be like some kind of like bachelor crossover to like what's going on right now. Like this is some kind of way that the bachelor, cause think about it. Cause the bachelor likes to get in on the, you know what I'm saying? Like get in on what, what do they the, get in on? Wait, wait, the bachelor, am I wrong? Doesn't the bachelor like to be up on all the current events and stuff like that? Like, yeah, you like, definitely don't watch the show. The no, show is at the same format since it started like 19 years ago. The show has everything. Nothing is is current. Why don't they it. do? Why don't they do? Okay, so listen to me. I'm going into serious mode voice again. Okay. 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 Why don't they do the COVID Bachelor? All Bachelor, all Zoom. Okay. 
like, and you know that this will be the season that they have a black guy on because we get the most bootleg shit. So all like, <laughs> so all Zoom, all Zoom bachelor, all okay. Zoom. That way, all the freaky shit that goes on on the show, which I hear about, by the way, okay. that doesn't, that's not a thing. And that way, it could be really love. That, and you can tell idea. that you're not a fan of the show because people like to see the physical interactions between the contestants. So that's how I know you don't watch the show because that's part Wait. of the. People like to see the physical. They fucking on there? Well, they go to fantasy suites. They close the door. But I mean, they're Wait, in hot tubs. What? Van, this. You, <laughs> you don't know Whoa. about this? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> how do Whoa. you not know about the fantasy what's suites? The, what's the fantasy suite? Okay, I feel like I'm talking to myself three years ago. So when you make it to the top three in the show, you get what's called a fantasy suite. Should the lead invite you to it? So Chris Harrison gives you a date card and a key and you read the date card and you say, would you like to join me in the fantasy suite? And if they say yes, because who says no, you say yes. It's the first time that you get to be alone behind closed doors with the lead if you're a contestant it's just the two of you no cameras you spend the night together and the cameras and the producers do not come back till the next morning and and, and the lead does it three times so <laughs> okay 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 wait, wait, wait. okay so when I said that there was freakiness going on, what I was talking about was maybe a little heavy petting, maybe some kissing and that all that stuff too. like that. That happens too. I'm sure. Like, but you're telling me that on The Bachelor, The Bachelor, the main bachelor and the bachelorette, yes. the main guy or the main lady, they are we're actually having sex with people before this thing's this sex so you, happening. So you put yeah. words into my mouth. You don't you don't know what happens. You don't know what happens behind closed doors, but you get an entire night to talk about things that they don't let you talk about. You get to spend the night with each other for the first time. You're alone for the first time. It is implied that there is some sexual activity, but that doesn't always happen. Rachel. It is implied. It doesn't. I can speak from experience because I went you're through a bachelor. it. I, I'm not going to ask you about your. That's distasteful. I'm not, not going to ask you about your. Well, I'll tell you, not every fantasy suite is about sex because that but, didn't happen for me in all my fantasy suites. Rachel, can I ask you a question though? On the Bachelor, sure. just are they fucking or not? That's what I want to know. Is it is it happening on the Bachelor? So, absolutely. And and Crazy. most recently, most recently in Hannah Brown's season, she bragged about it and said how many times that she did it in a windmill with this person. In a windmill. They were in uh, Greece, Sweden, Switzerland. I don't know. They were in some place where windmills are popular. I love that you don't know any of this. Everybody How at least knows know? about the. Everybody knows about the fantasy suites. It's the whole thing. Never it's heard like, of it. All right, Never what's heard the of thing? It. Top three Guess people get a fantasy suite. Okay, which episode is the fantasy suite episode? When does that start? Week week nine, second to last week. So you so there, so here's how twisted it is. You you go to hometowns and you with your top four and you go in to meet everyone's family. The lead meets everyone's family and they talk about, you know, will you accept a marriage? You got to meet these people who are not in this world, who are not fans of it. Then you go to fantasy suite with your top three. Then you're left with your last two. And that's who you decide who you're going to accept a proposal for. This all happens in a matter of like five or six days. 
separate. That's how it goes. Bam, 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 bam. You can see I why most couples watching. don't make it. Yeah, I might have to start watching The Bachelor. Just the fancy sweet <laughs> episode, though. Because I want to see what it, how it goes down. I just want to see the fancy sweet episode. All right, look. Okay. We have to discuss something here as a family. Uh, so, you are listening to the Higher Learning Podcast with Big Rach, Rachel Lindsay. Yep. Uh, fantasy, fantasy sweet veteran. Um, <laughs> uh, and myself, Van Lathan. This is a podcast that has to do with pop culture, sports, basically anything that happens anywhere. We're willing to talk about it and we're willing to try to elevate the discussion of it. Absolutely. Um, being that we have, uh, that what we're trying to do is bring a specific cultural discussion to, uh, the ringer, which by the way, we should say that there are, <clears throat> there's fantastic talent. Um, here at the Ringer uh, of Color. Uh, Larry Wilmore had a podcast here. Uh, guys like Tyler and Micah and uh, Jordan, somebody that works on this podcast with us. Uh, you know, and in the past they've had, you know, obviously guys like Rembert, Wesley Morris, like uh, those people have always existed here at the Ringer and they've really uh, put their thumbprint on the culture here and left um, both room for us to grow uh, for yep. some of the people that are still here. Um, and it really helped me. Uh, Rem and Wesley specifically have really helped me and really guided me. And then other people, you know, Tommy Alter and people like that who are at least culture adjacent that kind of have helped me understand things here. Um, there was a podcast that happened on, I guess, the flagship podcast, you would say, which is the Bill Simmons podcast. Bill Simmons is obviously mm -hmm. the, uh, the, 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 the boss of the ringer with, um, a colleague of ours named Ryan Rosillo. And since that podcast has been on, it happened Sunday after uh, Friday and Saturday, which is when Sunday comes. But this particular <laughs> Friday and Saturday were a little bit different. This particular Friday and Saturday saw the most heated and the most sort of serious, um, the most dangerous, for some people, the most uplifting, for me, um, the most, in a way, effective of the uprisings that we've seen. It was the mm -hmm. first time that we realized that there was real uh, civil unrest and civil disobedience that was happening all over America. Bill and Ryan uh, talked about this um, and just gave their thoughts on the entire ball of wax in terms of what this was. Uh, since people have listened to that podcast, they have um, had very swift reactions. Let me just be honest with you. Black people, uh, to put it very bluntly, feel pissed off a lot of the ones that I've talked to at specifically Ryan Rossillo. Um, a lot of things that Ryan Rossillo said during the podcast, people think struck the wrong chord. Some of them, um, quite frankly, people thought were un-American. Before we get into discussing this, which in order to discuss this, to be, to be a podcast that's really about expressing our, our true feelings on things, we can't not talk about things that happen outside of the house and right. not talk about things that are going on uh, here at the shop. I know that you heard this. Uh, you heard it a little bit earlier. As far as some of Ryan's comments and some of the remarks that he made, did you want to talk and, and share your feelings about it? Yeah. I mean, I was 
I don't know. I, 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 I listened to it. I listened to the comments and the conversation between the two. And this is how I felt. When I was listening to it, I was like, okay, I get the point of a podcast, right? We have one. And I get that if you're supposed to feel like you're listening to two friends kind of talk, kind of shoot the stuff. That one's for you, mom, instead of cursing. Um, and you're supposed to feel like you're kind of peeking in on a conversation and you feel like you're at home. You're one with them. When I heard this conversation, it felt like the conversation that maybe I shouldn't be listening to. It felt like a conversation that maybe should have been behind closed doors. And I'm more so specifically speaking to the things that Ryan was saying. There were a couple of things that really bothered me about what he said. It was what he was highlighting in his conversation, right? Of course, you, you, you have to talk about what has transpired over this past week because it is so relevant to our, to, to America and to us as citizens in every single way. What bothered me was rather than talking about the purpose and the reason behind these protests and what these protests stand for and how majority of them have been peaceful, the focus was shifting, shifted to the looting and what was negative and what was bad about it. And I just felt like one, there are other people that can talk about this. And then two, I was just disappointed made from Ryan's perspective of what he was highlighting. He kept talking about the looting, the looting. And when you listen, when you think about what looting is, it's about taking what the value from a store. It's about taking goods from a store. What's valuable. You're taking away from it. I felt like he was looting the purpose of the protest in his conversation. Mm. I felt like he was taking the value out of something good rather than shining a light and the reason uh, behind the reason of it. And that's what really, really got to me. I felt like, oh, I'll just, I'll just put it, put it there because I could keep going about certain things that bothered me. But the main thing was he polluted the, the reason and the purpose behind the protest. And if you're going to talk about it and you're going to shine light on it, you can't brag about how you haven't said anything on social media and you haven't done anything and you talk about what's all the wrong that's being done but you don't move the f the conversation forward and how you're actually trying to do something positive towards the mo movement or what you have actually done to push the movement forward in a good direction hmm. i also didn't like his trump comments but i'll 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 let you i'll defer to you at this point no i'll address those too so uh yeah i thought you put that beautifully um and quite eloquently uh i'll tell you just kind of my takeaway from it. So uh, being black in America comes with an understanding of something is that the deepest, darkest parts of yourself will always be highlighted. Right. So um, there's a brilliant monologue that uh, Orlando Jones gave on a show called American Gods. Orlando Jones is no longer on American Gods and it might be because of this monologue. What he said was uh, in America, when a white person fucks up, it's looked at as a good person that's done a bad thing. And when a black person messes up, it looks as if um, it, it, they're showing America who they really were the entire time. Mm. And that and that assessment to me uh, rings true. Whenever something happens to where we act in any way, which is out of line with people, the way people think that we should act and people go, OK, there that's who that's who that person really is. That person, that's who they are. That's who they, there is no such thing as a mistake. There's no such thing as an error in judgment. I'm not even saying so much that the, 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 the uh, more violent parts of the protest were an error in judgment. What I'm saying is that 
to look at the entire ball of wax there and then pull out the part of it that specifically makes us look bad is incredibly disappointing. And when I hit Bill about this, it was enraging. I wasn't disappointed or hurt about what Ryan Rosillo said. I was all those things, but more than anything, I was pissed the fuck off. And yeah. for a split second, um, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be here for a split second. Yeah, um, no, it's now, understandable. Um, I have since talked to Ryan and Ryan has addressed this on his podcast. Um, he's addressed this on his podcast. When I talked to him, he was, he was, uh, we were able to have an open and honest conversation, um, sort of about what he thought that he was doing and what I feel like it was that he actually did. What I feel like mm -hmm. what he actually did was what you said was uh, loot the entire issue, detract the humanity from it and concentrate on the criminality and not on the crime. The crime is the loss of life of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all of that. Yeah. If you don't start the conversation by discussing the system that leads to that, um, I don't see how we can have a conversation about the Adidas store losing some stock. It's just, it's, it's weird to me. It shows kind of sometimes what we feel like, which is do some of the people that we think are just normal dudes, everyday people, cool people, do they really care about how our lives are affected? Because if mm -hmm. you care about that, I find it difficult to talk about stores getting looted when life is being lost. Okay. Um, Very the good other point. thing that, the other thing that bothered me was this. And me and Ryan talked about this. Um, there was something that he said about specifically a Trump voter. Um, and I'm going to discuss this right here. Uh, I'm not going to police who people voted for. That's on you. But I will say that your vote does say something. Okay. What he said on the podcast was that a lot of people vote selfishly. He made it clear he was not exactly an Obama fan, but he thinks a lot of people vote selfishly. They vote their interests. They vote for whatever it is that means something to them. And there are other things about candidates that they might be willing to overlook if it means a better tax rate or yes. a different corporate structure or things like that. Yeah. I want to, I want people to understand what that, what that sounds like in my ear. As a child, as a man, what we're told is we're going to have a better country the more everybody thinks about everybody else. Ask not what your country will do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mm -hmm. We're taught that. Great quote by JFK. We're taught, you know, our military is amazing. They give of, they give of more than themselves. Uh, like charity work is amazing. Philanthropy is amazing. People that go into public service that are amazing. Cops are amazing. Why? Because they put themselves in harm's way so that other people can be safe and that we can have a harmonious, justice-filled, safe society. Yeah. And that we're all supposed to do that. Okay? But when white guys who are rich get ready to vote, it's all of a sudden, fuck you. It's all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. Your, your, like, it's all of a sudden your president won't denounce David Duke. How easy is it to denounce David Duke? He won't step away from white supremacists, but that's okay because I want a better tax rate. It's okay that you're going to get screwed by a guy who in the back of his mind, not even in the back of his mind, who won't divorce himself 
from white supremacy. But that's cool that you're going to go through that. But over here, this is what's going to happen to me. So I'm going to preserve my America while you continue to live in yours. That's precisely the attitude that we have to fix in this country. Now, in full disclosure, when I explained that to Ryan, he was receptive, he was respectful, and he was apologetic. All of those things. I'm not about to do any caping because like he told me on the phone, he is a big boy and he can handle this. Yeah. When when I said that to when I said that to him, he said, I have no retort for that. I have no comeback for that. And I'm not trying to say that I want upped him or anything like that. I've met Rosillo before. He seemed like a nice enough guy. I did his podcast, treated me with respect. But hopefully, not just for him, but for everybody involved, this is a teachable moment about the seriousness of the part of history that we're in right now and about how we be better allies to each other going forward. And it should also be a notice to everybody that's in the aura of Rachel Lindsay and Van Lathan that we are attacking these things in a very specific way and nothing is out of bounds. No, I, I think that's a great point. A, were you finished? Were you finished with what no, you're saying? Yeah, I'm, I don't done. I'm done. No, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. But I'm saying just don't think like, like he, he did apologize. He did talk about it. And hopefully yeah. he'll do better. And hopefully I can be a part of the education that we can all be a part of growing not only this podcast, but this brand into something that takes all of these things into consideration before we put content out there. And I will only say, add to that, that this is the type of what we're seeing happening right now in America is hopefully generating these type of conversations where you can have these uncomfortable conversations. Van, you can share your perspective. Ryan can share his and you can have a mutual respect from each other and maybe hopefully learn something from it. And I think that it's so important that Maybe you didn't change his mind in that conversation, but at least you were able to have that conversation, which is more than we can say about how things have done been done in the past. Not between you two, yeah. but just in general. Nah, I'm with it. I'm with it. So, you know, we, we've addressed that. We've talked about that. Um, I'm looking forward. I wanted to have him on this podcast today. I was about to so say, we can... should have him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till we get yeah. closer to the election. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to have him in this podcast today. Um, but look, here, man, like we're 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 doing our best to to share our true hearts and our true values and our true perspectives with you. Um, and that's not going to be always the easiest thing to do. It's just not. It's not. Sometimes the conversation is going to be uncomfortable. It's never uncomfortable for me. But I can I can understand how it could be uncomfortable for some of our coworkers. I can understand how it could be uncomfortable for Ryan. I can understand how it could be uncomfortable for Bill or for whoever else is listening kind of hearing this. Uh, but yeah, um, if, if we can talk about Drew Brees saying something stupid, then we can certainly say, talk <laughs> your about quarterback. My, your quarterback at that. My quarterback. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, it's all over the place, but look, all we can hope for is after stuff like that, that people realize it, people address it and people moved on. And Absolutely. If I have to, uh, to his credit, he did that. So let's see what happens now. Rachel, you got yeah. anything else for the people? 
No, I think it was beautifully said. I love that. That's what I love about this podcast is I yes, we like making people maybe feel uncomfortable. I'm I'm quite confrontational myself, but we are having this open dialogue and having these uncomfortable conversations that maybe can help somebody else in moving forward and doing the same thing or just understanding the issue at mm. hand. That's what higher learning is. All right, what are you uh we got another podcast like what are you doing tonight? What are you cooking for dinner? This is this, I'm a, I'm always, I'm, actually, I'm, actually, I'm what you, oh, I'm asking you a random question at the end of every podcast. What you doing for dinner? Love it. I'm making steak. I'm making ribeye steak. I'm going to cook it in the oven, but also on top of the stove as well. You know, you got to sear it on top of the stove, cook it in the oven. I sound like I really cook. I don't, but I am cooking tonight and I'll probably make my famous Brussels sprouts as well. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to have a steak off. Well, I, I don't want to enter. I do not. want. No. I just said I don't cook, man. Don't try to enter me in a competition. First of all, we're going to have a steak off. And anytime somebody makes a steak, I got to let people know that what I do with a steak is amazing. And, and I so will give we, it to you. No, steak off in two weeks, higher learning steak off so on Instagram, Van Lathan versus Rachel Lindsay. Okay. Fine. If there's still, if there's still supermarkets at that time, I don't know if there will be, but like if there's still <laughs> supermarkets at that time, steak so off, you in? I mean, I've never, I've never backed away from a competition. Let's go. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Let's go. I am Van Lathan. And I'm Rachel Lindsay. All right. That's enough learning for today. Take your thinking caps off, but don't throw them away. Keep them on. Listen, learn, respect each other, love each other. We out.